We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast post-game edition. I am your host, Jacob Niffin. We're coming your way Friday night, April 3rd, after the Thunder uh, lose an awful game to the Phoenix Suns, 140-103. to This game was really out of hand right after the first quarter. The Thunder just kind of got ran out of the gym. We're competitive after that, but uh, the writing was kind of on the wall. But still, positives to take away with performances by the teenagers, Teo Maladon and Alexei Pokashevsky. Uh, I went live on the Locker Room app immediately following the game tonight, uh, and I was joined by my friend and Blue Wire buddy, Mike Vihill of the Timeline Podcast. They cover the Phoenix Suns, and they are absolutely incredible at what they do. Uh, Mike and I hopped on and talked for quite a while about this game, uh, some of the performances Uh, just themes of the Suns and the Thunder overall. We took some questions, and so I hope you guys enjoy. I'm going to patch you over to that audio, and make sure you join us again tomorrow night, Saturday, at the same time, right after the Thunder take on the Portland Trailblazers. Our co-host, Kamiar Marabian, will be live on Locker Room after that one, breaking that game down, and then uh, you can also find that one on our podcast feed as well. So make sure you join us and enjoy my conversation with Mike and everyone else on the locker room app. The Thunder lose to the Phoenix Suns tonight uh, in a game that was never really close. The closest it was was whenever there were still 12 minutes left in the first quarter. Final score, 140 to 103. Uh, 
but just an absolute spanking by the Phoenix Suns on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, that first quarter, I'm trying to pull up these these stats real quick. Here we go. That first quarter, uh, the Thunder get outscored 43 to 13. Uh, that was the game, right? Let's just kind of call it what it is. That that first quarter was the game. After that, the Thunder were pretty competitive. Outscored Phoenix by seven in the second quarter. Uh, kept it within four in the third quarter. Uh, really got out. That got outscored pretty bad in the fourth quarter by ten. Uh, but it's that first quarter that was the massive difference. The Thunder just had absolutely nothing that they could do to slow down Phoenix in that first quarter. Uh, and maybe the the more difficult challenge for the Thunder was scoring the basketball in that first quarter. I mean, they could just not get anything going offensively. I thought that the first quarter you really started to see why the Thunder um, were really missing a a creator tonight. I mean, and we'll get to guys like Maladon and, and Poku and the nights that they had, but it just felt like the Thunder desperately needed somebody who could create for them, create offense for them early on. And just nobody was able to do that. The Phoenix defense was completely locked in and just really got the Thunder all out of sorts. Uh, And it spiraled. It really spiraled from there, went downhill. Um, And I mean, after that, the Thunder started to to play a little bit better. Uh, They rebounded. But man, that first quarter was just ugly, ugly, ugly. Uh, and, And that's what carried them throughout the rest of the game. So... Uh, if you were listening to the podcast version of this, we are live on the Locker Room app tonight. If you haven't already, make sure you download the Locker Room app so you can join us in these post games. And before we continue on, I want to take a quick moment to tell you guys about Blue Wire Hustle. Blue Wire Hustle is a place for you to host your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Pods. There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your own podcast to the next level. Or if you already have a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, uh, me, and access to our community Discord, e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and so much more. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other platforms you listen to pods on. The best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. That's the same rate you would pay another hosting site just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me or the uncontested or any of the other Blue Wire pods, and you're ready to make your own podcast, then Hustle is the place for you. Acceptance into the program is limited though, so get your application in today. To apply, you just got to go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. Teo absolutely balled out tonight. Uh, had a wonderful, wonderful game. Um, ties a Thunder rookie record uh, for points in a game. Teo goes for 33 on 10 of 18 from the field. A really impressive 5 of 7 from the three-point line. But... To me, what was maybe the most impressive thing of Teo's line tonight uh, was 8 of 10 from the free throw line. He got to the line 10 times tonight, which uh, I I just think that was incredibly impressive by him, um, really driving, being aggressive, attacking the basket. 
Um, Teo had an awesome night. And to talk about that a little bit more, we're going to get my boy Mike up here. Uh, if you guys do not listen to the Timeline podcast, the Phoenix Suns pod, um, you are messing up because Mike and Sam are absolutely incredible at what they do. And they have to be absolutely enjoying this ride of Suns basketball. <laughs> Mike, how's it going, my man? It's going pretty well, especially after tonight. It's tough <laughs> tough to complain about a blowout. The, the Suns have played... And forgive me, I don't want to. I don't want to disparage the OKC Thunder. As you know, Jacob, I love a lot of players on the Thunder this year. Uh, but the Suns have played a lot of bad teams close lately, where like a little too close compared to what their record is. So it's kind of nice to see them just do a little better. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And Mike, before you hopped in the room, I I was kind of going over the game, and. Really, it was just the first quarter, right? The Phoenix Suns just came out. I think a lot of teams have come out against the Thunder this year and seen this that starting lineup without Shea, without Dort, without Horford, uh, and said, oh, this is going to be a win. And they kind of take their foot off the gas before tip-off even happens. The Suns did not do that. The Suns came out focused and aggressive and just beat the dog shit out of the Thunder from the word go. <laughs> and after that first quarter, they were able to take their foot off the gas a little bit because they created such a large gap. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think that's kind of what's nice about starting Jay Crowder again. The Suns experimented with starting a couple of different guys in that starting spot. Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, even Frank Kaminsky against some bigger teams. But Jay Crowder wants to win every moment he's on the floor. And you could tell in the game tonight he was really pushing. You know, he doesn't do – he makes shots. like, And he's not afraid to shoot. As you can see, every time he catches the ball behind the three-point line, he's going to shoot it. Uh, but the stuff he does on defense, I think, is what really pushes this team to another level. He just makes up – he fills in all the gaps, kind of the way Mikhail Bridges does as well. And you have both of those guys on the floor. It's going to be tough for guys to get any dribble penetration. Although, you know, Maladon, I'm sure you were talking about him before I joined here, really went off tonight, and, and, and it was really impressive. And I think the right guys find ways to attack Devin Booker against the Suns and take advantage of the fact that he's probably putting a lot more effort in on offense than defense. And he, he definitely did that tonight. I was really impressed with him. Yeah, I wanted to actually ask you a little bit about Maladone as somebody who doesn't really follow the Thunder. Um, you know, I, you've probably watched Maladone like once or twice this season, I would assume. Not, not trying to put words in your mouth, but I just yeah. I don't think a lot of non-Thunder fans or people who don't cover this team aren't, aren't watching a ton of Thunder basketball this year. <laughs> uh, just kind of give me your, your thoughts and opinions on Teo. Obviously, he went off tonight. Uh, I had just mentioned he scores a Thunder rookie, uh, ties a Thunder rookie record uh, for most points by a rookie in a game, 33 for the 19-year-old tonight, tying a rookie Russell Westbrook. Uh, but what did you see from Teo tonight, and just what do you think of his game? Well, I was really impressed. Um, I will want, I just want to give myself a little credit here because I love Lou Dort, as you know, and I love Shea. So I have multiple players on the Thunder that I like, and there's a weird part of me as someone who spent five years watching every game the Suns, you know, I basically have watched every game the Suns have played for 15 years now, but specifically the last five years were a struggle to watch those games. But when you watch teams that are rebuilding, that's the nice way of seeing not winning, uh, you find things to watch with like players that are developing. And, uh, you know, watching the Suns this year, of course, has been a blast. But when I have free time to watch other teams, I tend to watch the Thunder a lot <laughs> because part of me still likes to watch young guys develop in situations like that because I learned so much watching the Suns while I did. So I kind of do gravitate towards the Thunder a lot. 
And Shay reminds me of Booker too. I think the situation he's in now is very Devin Booker-esque where he's asked to do a lot on a team of guys who have no experience. And, and that's, that's tough for a lot of guys. Um, but Maladone, I, I was really impressed with him. What, what I was most impressed with in this game, and I've watched him a few times, but n- nothing like this where he really has free reign of the offense. Uh, he just looks so poised. He does not look like someone who is young. Clearly he has experience playing against adults. And, you know, I just – I was very impressed with, with the poise. Obviously, the shooting was really good. And the the fact that he wasn't afraid to sort of back a guy up and shoot a few feet behind the three-point line a few times, that was impressive too. You know, usually when young guys are doing that, you kind of cringe a little bit because it's a little worrisome. But uh, the poise there, I mean, he, he looked like he had full control at all times. And, you know, he was bouncing off guys in the paint and getting floaters in. When guys can – it's almost more about where he gets to with young guys. It's it's the spot that they get to more than the finishing. He was finishing this game. I imagine the finishing is probably not something that happens all the time. I know him as a shooter in my mind, so you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But getting to a spot when you're young is more important than being capable of finishing because the finishing will come as you get older, you get stronger. Uh, getting to the spot is hard for most young guys, and he was really getting to spots. So I was really impressed. Yeah, we've talked a lot about his poise this year. He does not look like a 19-year-old. He looks like a 29-year-old who's played in the league for the past seven years. Yeah. Right? Just he he's never rattled. Um, the one thing that that I always talk about, Teo, is there is not a lot of flash to his game. There's not a lot of sauce to his game. It, it's very like the word I've used to describe the way he plays basketball is conservative. He just he has a very conservative style of play. Uh, with that being said, though, I want to transition to another Thunder player who has enough sauce for himself and Teo. And you talked about just a second ago, you know, getting stronger uh, and that leading to being able to finish and stuff. And I think I, I hope this guy can get there. But we got to talk about my guy, Poku. Yeah. 20 points, five rebounds, four assists. The dude weighs maybe 100 pounds soaking <laughs> wet out there on the court. But. He after he's come back from the G League bubble, or as I hate to call it, uh, the Gubble, which is just <laughs> the, the wor- absolute worst name ever. Um, after he came back from the G League bubble, he has looked a lot more confident. And this guy, I mean, y- you want to talk about having some flair to his game, having mm-hmm. some insane confidence to his game, and just willing to try anything out there. Poku tonight just, again, continues to show me stuff, especially in the pick and roll and with his passing. And I'm just like, man, a seven foot one, 19-year-old kid who weighs like literally as much as I do at six foot one um, shouldn't be able to do that kind of stuff. Oh, I, I, you know I love Poku. We talked, Jacob, you and I talked before the draft. Uh, maybe it wasn't even recorded, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but uh, we talked about Poku specifically, and I, that was sort of one of the guys that we uh, both really agreed on. Uh, it looks weird every time he plays basketball. And I, I don't think that's something that's going to change. It looked weird before he was on the Thunder. It's just it looks weird when he plays basketball. But there was one specific play that stood out to me. Yes, the shooting was nice, and he had a couple nice passes as well. But there was one specific play. He didn't even make this shot. Uh, but he was lined up against Sharich around like maybe 18 feet away from the basket. And he hit him with like a left to right crossover. And then he went right behind his back to his left, gathered into a step back and shot a mid-range shot. And the shot didn't go in. But what I saw was a Luka Doncic sort of 
step back move that guys his size should not necessarily be capable of doing. And, you know, the shots might get better over time. Uh, you know, I was somebody who watched Dragon Bender. He's not that. If anyone says that he's Dragon Bender, he's not. Dragon Bender was the least confident basketball player I've ever seen in my life. And confidence matters in basketball. And Poku's got that. He's got a lot of it. But that specific play was one of those plays where I'm like, this is just impossible. If, if that starts dropping and he starts to do that on a regular basis, there's just no way to guard that. I mean, how do you do it? You can't. A, a, a guy fast enough to keep up with that is not going to be capable of blocking it. A guy tall enough to block it is not going to be fast enough to keep up with it. It's, it's just, he's a, he's, it's an odd, he's a unicorn. I, that word is overused, but if he can get it together and really figure it out, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, um, I know exactly the play you're talking about because if that shot went in, I had a tweet locked and loaded <laughs> and ready to go. Um, but that play, and then I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but the play that came immediately after that play, he came down. I think he he got a rebound or or they inbounded to him. I can't remember what happened uh, for the Thunder defensively on that next play. But Poku came down, had the ball on the right wing, uh, was dribbling, kind of uh, – went in, turned around, pulled it back out, and then on a redrive, off the dribble, right-handed, threw a bullet pass <laughs> literally from one side of like the, the break at the three-point line yep. to the other side yep. through traffic. And I was just like, that is absolutely absurd. Like, how do <laughs> yeah. you have the vision to make that happen? And yeah, like, dare I say it, it's if he can get those types of, of shots like you were talking about to drop, it's KD-esque. He's yeah. not KD. He's not going to be KD. Uh, I, I don't think so. God, if he is, then, you know, God bless my soul. Send me straight <laughs> to heaven because I've ascended to something beyond mortal. But it's KD-esque with the size, the frame, the skill work. He's not athletic as KD. He's not as explosive as KD. He doesn't have the first step that Kevin Durant has. But the skill and the size just... It's impressive, and he started the season so poorly, and everybody just wanted to mm-hmm. shit on the kid. Yeah. And I was like, man, he's like 19. Isaiah, or sorry, not Isaiah. I don't know why I was going to say Isaiah Roby there. Alexei Pokashevsky, if he were to be in the 2021 draft, he would be like the sixth youngest guy in the 2021 draft. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how young he is. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's going so, – so, I saw somebody tweeted tonight, when Poku's – rookie scale contract is over he will be as old as Corey kispert from gonzaga is right now <laughs> which is just absolutely freaking stupid ridiculous so he's uh you know this guy is the limit for that kid and i think I, i'm really excited to see how he kind of develops um mike let's talk about a couple of sons real quick because thunder fans have been and i think rightfully so enamored with Moses Brown, you know, two-way guy who went down and uh, another one of the G League bubble guys uh, actually made first team uh, G League team down in the bubble, uh, came back to the Thunder and has been playing incredible, had a near 2020 game in the first half the other night, mm-hmm. ends up earning himself a, a full contract. But tonight, he one got the Lou Dort deal, rebounds. Right? <laughs> Say it again. He got the Lou Dort deal. Play yes, well, yes, exactly. He got uh, pretty like much favorable. exactly on the nose. Yeah, the, yeah. the same Lou Dort deal. But I felt like tonight was the first night that Moses wasn't the bully on the court. Right. And he, he's been pushing everybody around, just being bigger and stronger than anybody and longer arms than anybody. 
But tonight he ran into DeAndre Jordan or DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Ayton, and yeah. uh, had a really, really tough time. So, will you just tell us a little bit from your perspective on how DeAndre has really progressed this season and what you see out of him moving forward? Well, it's funny that you bring up Aiton in this specific game because this was kind of an odd game for DeAndre. Everyone was balling on the Suns. And you look at Aiton's stats at the end of the game, and they're, they're not, they don't stand out, right? It's not a lot of rebounds. It's not a lot of points. But I think exactly what you talked about is what he's gotten so much better at. And that's just sort of being a physical force defensively uh, at the rim. I've sort of come to describe... NBA defenses as the perimeter defense is sort of the high wire act. Like it's stuck impossible to really do it on a, on a regular basis. Perimeter defenses, it, it favors the offensive player in the NBA. And then the safety net is the center. Like ultimately, if you don't have the safety net, they're going to fall to their deaths, right? <laughs> they're going to get scored on over and over and over again. And what DeAndre Ayton's gotten better at doing is being that safety net for the Suns. Now, his consistency on offense is sort of baffling sometimes. It's, it's almost hard to understand why he's not capable of being more aggressive offensively. But it's not as important for the Suns as his consistency on defense. And he's developed that consistency on defense. And and it's kind of an odd thing where on defense now, it seems like he's fully aware of his size. He's fully aware of his strength. He's fully aware of his speed. And on offense, he's not at times aware of those things at all. Uh, but, you know, like like tonight, I thought he did a great – I mean, there's no way – if you're the safety net, there's no way that you can build up a 30-point lead without being a proper safety net because if you're not defending the rim properly, then they're going to find – any NBA team, regardless of who's healthy, who's not, is going to find a way to score some points. So, you know, an odd game for him. Some Suns fans might not be happy with it, but ultimately, I mean, in a win like this, it's hard to be unhappy with anyone – Although it took Jalen Smith a, a, a lot longer to score any points in this game than Tyshawn Alexander, which for the Suns fans is funny because Tyshawn wasn't even drafted. I have to ask, Jacob, I feel like we're burying the lead here. What was it like? I know you've probably watched Chris Paul play this season a few times, but what was it like to watch him against the Thunder? I mean, you guys have an interesting relationship with Chris Paul. He was sort of a rental for OKC. I, I, you talked me into Chris Paul before the season. You, you're the reason that I was all in by the time the trade actually happened. But what was it like for you to watch and, it? And Mike, I didn't lie to you, did I? No, absolutely. It's honestly, it's better than I could have imagined. I, I'm, I'm I, telling you, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. I predicted a, thir- a third seed before the season. And the Suns like legitimately have a chance at the one seed. Now, the Jazz don't seem to be slowing down. But it's not like out of reach for the Suns to be the one seed, it, which is just not as good as I thought they were going to be with how much I believed in Chris Paul. They're even better. And a lot of that is Chris Paul. A lot of that is other guys. But I, I do feel like the pressure to win every night is there when you play with a legend more than when you don't. It just is. You have now the legacy of one of the greatest players of all time on your back. And I, I think that matters a lot. So but what was it like for you? Yeah, no, w- what I used to <laughs> – this is funny – I used to, before Chris Paul came to the Thunder, I hated watching Chris Paul. I thought he was a flopper. You know, I I just, I did not like the dude. And now there is almost nobody in the league I cheer for more than Chris Paul. And uh, I think I enjoyed watching the first game between these two uh, back in, God, I can't remember when that was, the very first month of the season, I think. 
whenever more, more fun the, for Thunder fans probably to watch that one than this one. Yeah, yeah and not even for the win, but in that game we got to see um, student versus teacher, right? Shea Gilgis Alexander versus Chris Paul, the uh, the the Donatello taking on the Master Splinter uh, type of type of vibe there, and, and I absolutely loved seeing that. Um, but but Chris was incredible tonight. Uh, just watching him like. Seeing him on the court, I just I kind of knew what he was going to go to, right? Like as soon as what was it in that third quarter? As soon as he got Moses Brown switched onto him, I was like, "Oh God, bless you, Moses Brown. He's going <laughs> to turn you inside out. And he's going to hit the jumper." Yeah, and that's exactly what he did. You know, yeah. um, he had multiple plays where he comes off off the pick and roll. He does that little hang dribble and he hangs out, and then he has that little step back mid range pull up. That's just that patented shot that. He like never ever misses. Uh, it, it was just fun to be able to watch him and and know exactly what he was going to go to and see him do it. And if I know what he's going to go to, you sure as hell know the yeah. guys on the court know what he was going to go to. I mean, they're paid to matter. know that. Yeah, it doesn't and, matter. And he's still able to get it off, especially at that age. And it's just so much fun to watch him play. I wish. I could have seen he and Shea Gilgis Alexander go at right. it one more time because I think yeah. those two just bring out the best in one another. Uh, there's a lot of love between those two, um, but I think just like any friends, whenever you get them on a basketball court in a competitive setting, they want to go at each other. And so I wish we could have seen Shea and Chris go at it again. Um, but it was fun to watch him tonight, and uh, I think a good experience for Teo to have to go up against Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, Teo is not like Chris Paul. Um, as far as like his how good he is going to be, but I think he is like Chris Paul in the sense that there's not that a- elite athleticism, but there's that poise and there's that IQ. And I think Chris Paul, like Chris Paul, Tony Parker, is if I told Teo Maladone to watch two guys play basketball and try to mimic what they do, it would be those two guys. And so it was really fun for Teo, or for me to see Teo go up against Chris. Uh, I thought that was uh, another fun little wrinkle to this one um but but yeah uh always a blast to watch chris paul and yeah i remember us having uh fake trade call podcasts uh Mm -hmm. crossovers with the uncontested in the timeline talking about how to get chris paul to phoenix and and taylor and i told you guys we're like man if you guys get him i'm telling you and i'm so glad to see that it's really come to fruition and and see the suns kind of uh not just going over the hump mike but just blowing past the hill altogether, right? They didn't sneak over the hill. <laughs> they used it as a, a goddamn skateboard ramp and just shot off to the sun. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. So, yeah, you know, it's it, as far as this sun season, it's it's interesting to to be so close to it. Like I am, of course. You know, I have thoughts of of how good the Suns could be. I have thoughts of how they could be attacked in the playoffs. I have thoughts of who the best matchups could be for them in the playoffs. It's sort of interesting to see people's opinions change on the Suns over time, you know, as much of a joke as they were. You know, a lot of people who follow the basketball uh, follow basketball now can barely remember those Steve Nash teams, you know, 11 or 12 years ago that were actually good. So, it's just 10 years of not making the playoffs basically for most basketball fans for the Suns. So, the perception on them is slowly changing and that's all, you know, Monty Williams deserves deserves credit. James Jones deserves credit, but it's all Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Those are the main two guys in the NBA. Ultimately, you need two players that can create for themselves and create for other people. And 
And Chris Paul was the vital part of that for the Suns because you have Devin Booker, but if you don't have another one of those guys, you're not really going to be successful in the NBA. That's just what it takes. It takes multiple guys who can do that. And Chris Paul's maybe the best. It's just bizarre that he's this good, this old, right? I mean, it, it really, as, for, as a guy that was in his early 30s like me, he's really an inspiration, I, I guess. Yeah, no, he's he's been incredible. And yeah, um, I do have to say, you mentioned him just briefly there, but Monty Williams and specifically like his leadership style and the type of, of man that he is coupled with Chris Paul, like it's just it's hard for me to look across the league and find another player coach duo that not just not not basketball leadership but just leadership of people that I appreciate more than those right. two guys um coming from some from someone with with my background and uh, uh you know our listeners know this i I'm a high school teacher uh, I teach a leadership class um i I focus on these things quite a bit and just the the style of of person that both Monty uh, is and Chris is um, absolutely incredible human beings and, and leaders of men. And uh, I really, really appreciate that about both of those guys beyond their, uh, you know, their basketball acumen. It's, it's, you guys have got a couple of good ones down there in Phoenix for sure. Uh, two guys that, I mean, I've, I, I said it after Chris Paul came to Oklahoma city, but if he ever ran for a political office in which I had a chance to vote, he's got it 100%. Like he's just, he's just that kind of guy, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I I remember you saying that to me. And uh, now that I've sort of been part of the Chris Paul experience a lot more, I could actually see that happening. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, he's like, like, legit, he like I could see Chris Paul being a Senator or something, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't actually surprise me. It's just funny because, when you're a fan of teams that go against Chris Paul, your feelings on him are like such a specific way. You know, you feel like he's almost like a cheater. Like people almost treat him like he cheats. And even if he doesn't, but like once you once you actually are able to see that up close and who he is and the way he leads people and sort of the attitude that he has around people and the way he talks to the media, every part of it, you, you just go, well, how did he even get this reputation? It's just a guy that's obsessed with winning. And in his words, obsessed with not losing. That's all he really cares about. And it, it's funny how that perception on the court is so drastically different than who he is off the court. <laughs> like it's yeah. not even close to, to the same to the same person. No, definitely, definitely. It's uh it's kinda wild. Um, but yeah, just just an incredible guy, an incredible leader, and, and Monty the same way. Monty had uh, I, I think as maybe when he was with the Suns, maybe his first year, he had a, a quote where he said, um, I think it was when he was with the Suns. I don't think it was when he was in OKC, but I'm not for sure. Uh, but he had a quote where he said, whenever I, I get onto a player, I tell them, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up to be better. And I use that with my leadership students at school all the time, whenever I have to get on someone, I say, I'm not calling you out and trying to embarrass you. I'm calling you up because I, I expect more of you. And it's just, just those types of things that Monty is about is just super impressive. I just, I love the dude. His perspective on life is just absolutely incredible. So um, Mike, you cool with getting in a few questions here before we get out? Yeah, sure. Awesome. So we got a few in the chat and then I, we at least have one person, uh, two people requesting to speak. So we'll get to them as well. Uh, let's hit these chat question first. 
Um, how many more games do you think we will see like this with the strength of schedule for OKC? Uh, the Thunder schedule lightens up a little bit here in April. Um, you know, I, it, it's hard to know what you're going to see from the Thunder moving forward. I mean, hell, two nights ago, this Thunder team minus Ty Jerome beat the Toronto Raptors. And then tonight, the Toronto Raptors <laughs> damn near double up the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that was that was an ass kicking, unlike something I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. And then the Thunder, who beat Toronto, come in and just get absolutely waxed by by Phoenix. And so it's there's going to be so much inconsistency. But I think the Thunder are going to continue starting the lineup that they have out there now. Shea's not coming back anytime soon. Horford's not coming back at all. Uh, Muscala's not coming back at all. We'll see when Lou is back. Baisley's been out for forever. So it's going to be, uh, I think you're going to see maybe more games like this from the Thunder. You'd hope they keep them a little more competitive, but the same result. I think the Thunder want want to rack up the L's coming down the stretch here. Um, Alex Joy says, just woke up so I didn't catch the game, but tank on, despite the score, sounds like there's some some positives to take, which is perfect. Um, Mike, not not to to sound rude at all and i don't think you'll take it that way but as somebody who has watched and covered a basketball team that has not been great and has probably surfed the tankathon.com mm-hmm. uh frequently yeah. over the past few years what do you see from this thunder team that they should take as positives while also racking up those l's and trying to max out their draft pick well i think that the thunder are doing a good job or i think organizationally the thunder are just a better organization than the suns were when they had ryan mcdonough as a general manager so like just from that perspective feel more confident but one of the most important things i think for a rebuild is a team playing the right way even when they're not good and from what i see the thunder are a pretty well coached team like it's not really their fault that they're not able to make the right reads you know, defensively most of the time, or if they're just missing shots because they're just young guys, that's relatively normal stuff. But if you play the right way, which I think they do in a lot of ways, uh, they'll be okay. But also if you just look at SGA's development, like that's a good sign for like the way that the Thunder develop players like over time. That's the most important thing. I mean, SGA, what is he? He's like one of the best like pull up three point shooters in the NBA now, just out of the blue. Like that alone, I mean, if you look at how the Thunder can develop players from that perspective, they're going to be fine. And also just a bunch of young guys playing well. And I will say, it's don't get too excited about a young guy having one or two good games over the course of the season. Because you know, I've seen Josh Jackson have a couple of those in my lifetime. And maybe he'll be good eventually, but it took six to seven years before we ever got there. Or it's going to take that long before we get there. Um, but just, I think over time you'll figure out the guys that are going to be, uh, really good. And the guys that maybe won't stick around, like the team you're looking at now, the truth is, is going to be drastically different by the time the Thunder are winning. So don't get too attached. (laughs) Yeah, no. And you know, the Thunder now have, uh, I think 37 possible future picks in the next seven years. Um, you know, they're never going to make that many picks either. So you can't get attached to young guys uh, or draft picks because that draft capital is going to get shifted around. Um, I'm almost to the point where I'm worried that the Thunder are oversaturated with picks to where it's like draft pick inflation 
Yeah. And the picks aren't going to be actually worth as much as they I, used to be. I've made that joke and I believe it. I think in trades and it's not, and it's not really going to be a problem because if you guys have to give up an extra pick, it's not going to hurt you guys. Uh, but I don't think that general managers are going to look at making trades with the thunder and think, well, I'm not, they're just going to hold, they're just going to hold their line and say, no, we want that extra pick. You know, they're not going to cave because they know that you guys are sort of abundant in yeah. those assets. But yeah, you know, I was thinking about it um, when I'm saying that the, the team that you guys are going to have when you're good, which is, I think actually probably going to be a lot faster than the Suns, by the way, because the Suns took five or six years. I think the Thunder are on a good track to be good in two, two years if they draft the right guy. Uh, but the longest tenured players on the Suns besides Devin Booker are Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's how drastically that's. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sons have changed in that time in order to build a good winner, but you keep the good ones. And that's Definitely. What no, I mean, the when the Thunder traded Hamadou Diallo for Svi Mihailuk, yeah. That made the longest tenured Thunder member on this team, Darius Baisley. Yeah. Who's in year two. Yeah. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it's wild. And it's that's going to happen wild. again and again and again. I mean, you'll keep the good ones, though. You'll keep SGA, right? You'll keep Lou Dort and hopefully Cade. Uh, you know, I'm going to Hey, I'm knock gonna... on wood, man. Yeah. <laughs> we just need some ping pong balls to fall their way. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you've if you've seen this yet. Thunder PR uh, posted this, but Teo Maladon and Alexei Pokashevsky, um, the only teenage teammates to score twenty plus a piece in a game in NBA history. 
I love it. I mean, so I, even I, though I love it, even though they got their asses kicked tonight, the Thunder did. Still, some history being made. Let's get Charles up here next. Hey, Charles, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's up? Yeah. Um, so I just want to talk about Alexei Pokashevsky. I've become obsessed with him. Um, and <laughs> Join maybe, the club, man. Yeah, and maybe Mike can keep me grounded on this, but I've been thinking about um, like him in the perspective of the 2021 NBA draft and knowing everything we know right now, where he would go if he was eligible for the draft uh, in 2021. Because I feel like it's interesting. I feel like he would probably be higher than where we originally drafted him. But I'm not sure how much higher. No, that that's a fascinating question, right? So you're saying basically if Poku had this type of season, maybe overseas, or did the the Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, like G League route, and, and we were seeing the growth that we're seeing from him now, but not in the NBA, and then he was in the 2021 draft, where would he land? Is that yeah. essentially what you're asking? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking. And I think it's just a fascinating question to think about. No, definitely it is. Um, I don't know, Mike, what are your opinions on that? Well, it's kind of interesting because I think general managers and just the perception of people uh, in, the, in and around the NBA is that when a player does good things on a bad team, it doesn't mean anything. And I've always thought that was stupid. But for some reason, the NBA still kind of feels that way. I have not followed this draft very closely because I haven't had to. Very uh, very luckily, for the first time as a Suns fan in a long time, I haven't had to follow this draft very closely. But I would imagine that people would still consider him somewhat of a project. And I don't think that's really an insult to him and how he's played. Uh, just because of his body. <laughs> I, really, I don't really know how to put it any other way. He's really skinny. He's really small. And that could be, you know, we have Mikael Bridges on the Suns. That could be fine. Length matters a lot, too. You know, Kevin Durant came into the NBA really skinny. Um, You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo came in the NBA really skinny. Jokic came in the NBA really fat, and he was drafted 41st. So technically, where you're drafted, to me, does not matter that much. People who draft, I have have this belief belief about the NBA draft that people who are the most confident in the NBA draft are usually the most wrong uh, so it doesn't really matter. I think to think about it in those terms might not matter because it's, if you really talk to draft people, Charles, they'll probably tell you that he'd still get picked late first round or some somewhere in the in the second round still. But that doesn't matter because they're wrong all the time. <laughs> I think it's interesting. He, I don't. This year's the top of this year's draft because. Mike, unlike you, all I've done is follow yeah. draft content right. this season, right? <laughs> For my first time in a really long time. And so, um, no, like, you know, the, the top five of this class uh, are said to, to be one of the most talented top five we've seen in the past yeah. two decades, you know. But after you get out of that top five, it gets really iffy, right? There's a lot of up and down and a lot of questions. Do I think he would go higher than where he went this year at 17. I think there's a chance, but I think it's right back in that range. And again, I think it's, it's kind of what you said, Mike, it's his size and the fact that he is kind of viewed, I think by a lot of people as a long-term project. Uh, But my perspective on the draft is you could draft the best player available in that draft class, like objectively, 
but where that player ends up and, and the environment that player ends up in is mm-hmm. really going to de- uh, depict where their ceiling is, right? There are some players that are going to transcend that, and it doesn't matter where they go. Uh, you know, LeBron James, uh, Anthony Davis, uh, I, there's a chance that Kate Cunningham is that, right? But, I mean, I, I look at a guy like Marvin Bagley, right? If Marvin Bagley ends up in San Antonio or Oklahoma City versus the Sacramento Kings, I think he's an infinitely better player than where he is at right now. And right. so I, I think just as much as it doesn't really matter where you're drafted, I think the the most important thing in the draft is yeah. what situation you end up in. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I think that Marvin Bagley thinks that too now. Uh, <laughs> I think Marvin Bagley's dad definitely thinks yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> they're ready to go somewhere else. Yes. But yeah, yeah, I think that I think as – Thunder fans, you guys should be excited in the way that your team has developed young players. And, you know, and that's that's the most important thing, just like you said. It really is. Uh, you know, draft picks will hit, draft picks will miss. That just That's just what happens. You can't really predict how a young person is going to grow up. But you can put them in the best possible position to succeed. That's what the organizations control more than anything else. And I think the Thunder do a good job of that. Definitely. I, I look back at the the thunder i call it the thunder development factory now uh and just some of these guys they've churned out especially this season and see the growth they've made i mean and and we've mentioned his name even though he didn't play tonight we've mentioned his name multiple times here uh lou dort is like exhibit a right yeah just yeah undrafted guy on a two-way and i i know i'm biased uh, but I legitimately believe this to be true. One of the top wing defenders in the league already and yeah. has nothing but but room to grow in front of him. Um, you know, and, and that's an undrafted guy. Teo Maladone tonight, even though uh, we've talked about this tonight as well, you can't take like single games out and, and make those things just fact and, and make that a blanket statement. But we've seen a lot of growth from Teo Maladone tonight. Drafted 34th this past year. Right, yeah. outperforming tons of guys. I think if you do a 2020 redraft right now, Teo's a lottery pick, and he went he went number 34. So yeah, just where they end up at, and the, the Thunder, I think, have proven time and time again that they are definitely a development factory. So let's get one more caller in here uh, before we hop off. We're gonna go to Josh. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. What's up? What thoughts you got? Um, so in the past, I know. I don't know about you guys, but I've always viewed Teo as, you know, in the future he's going to be like a solid backup role player, but I never saw much upside in him. Um, after tonight's 33 points, do you think that changes at all? That's a, that, no, that's a really good question. You know, um, I've, I've been one that said that as well, that Teo's ceiling seems like he's a, a 10, 15-year uh, veteran uh you know, point guard off the bench. He's a, uh, I, I, I've compared him to a few people before. They're not coming to mind right now, but just that steady hand, that, that super sub off the bench. Um, How about but DJ we've seen some of his offensive things tonight, especially uh, to me, again, his ability to get to the free throw line and his three point stroke, he's got some stuff to work there with. And we know Shea can play with multiple backcourt. Teammates, I mean, they thrived in a three-point guard set last season. So I'm really excited to see what Teo does in the offseason, how he comes back in year two, and how he and Shea kind of fit together in that backcourt. Um, 
you know, I, I keep putting caps on guys and I keep saying, you know, oh, I, I think his ceiling's probably around here. Uh, and I keep getting proved wrong. So I'm just kind of done doing it, honestly. Uh, <laughs> here's, what I'll, here's what I'll say, Jacob. If, if he's not going to be a guard that's capable of scoring 20 points a game as a starter, which he may be, it's, it's, it's difficult to predict which one of those guys will be that. But if he's not going to be that, if he's going to be more of one of those starters that's like a bit of a lower usage starter next to wings that are capable of creating, then you got to defend. I mean, that's really the next level of that. So a lot of whether or not he can start, if he's not going to be a high usage creator, is going to be his development on the defensive end. Can he be a guy who's good enough to stay on the floor next to other guys? Offensively, yes. Defensively, I think maybe that that's something that's still yet to be seen, and that's fair because he's nineteen. Yeah, he's also large for a nineteen-year-old. I, I I am always deceived seeing him on the court, but Teo is six five with like a six nine wingspan. He has the physical size and the tools to be a solid defender. And and like you said, I think it's just going to take him a little bit of time. Uh, he does have a lot of experience overseas, playing for the French national team, uh, playing in the Euro League. Um, but the NBA obviously is a different beast. And I mean, at 19, the runway you have with him, is just so long that you had, you know, I mean, they, they signed him to a three-year deal. Uh, he's super cheap and they're going to be able to retain him if they want. This kid is just starting to scratch the surface. So it's going to be really exciting to see where he comes out at. And once he starts to kind of uh, fill in and show us maybe where that ceiling is. It's going to be fun to kind of judge where that's going to end up at because, like I said, I'm kind of done judging these guys because I keep trying to sound smart and saying, oh, I think he's going to end up like this. And then halfway through the season, they're showing a development curve that just blows my projections out of the water. So uh, maybe don't listen to me. I just might be an idiot with a podcast. <laughs> so thanks, Josh. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you. Mike, before we get out of here, one more question in the chat, and I cannot wait for you to answer this. This one's specifically from you, from Charles, who was just up here with us. He says, was there any young gun on the Suns that you were a big believer in who didn't work out? Mm. And I want to sit back because I feel like you probably have a list, and I just want to hear what you got to rattle off. Well, it's kind of funny because the Suns never picked a guy I wanted them to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Like when Josh Jackson was picked, who I think the answer to that still would probably be Josh Jackson for me. And I think for the Josh Jackson experience for me was I didn't watch a lot of Kansas. So it it was watching highlights and then just sort of the way that people sold him to me. But I wanted De'Aaron Fox in that draft. So uh, for me, I was already a little bit disappointed and uh, it, it was tough after that. I was never a huge fan of Dragon Bender, <laughs> so that one uh, never really disappointed me in any way. Um, Marquise Chris, and I still kind of believe this, I still kind of think he has the ability to be like a, a a hustle, rim runner, energy guy, even like as a starter, almost like a Clint Capella role. Um, and I think the example that you gave, uh, the way that you talked about guys being drafted to the right place at the right time. I actually think that is a fair thing to say about Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris is and Dragon Bender to an extent, although I'm not sure Dragon Bender would have stayed in the NBA no matter what. But I think Marquise Chris and Josh Jackson, actually, both of those guys, had they been drafted to a more stable organization with a more stable coaching situation, with a better practice facility, with a better coach, uh, all of that all in the right place, I think they could have been better. 
the guy I was probably highest on out of the ones that sort of flamed out for the Suns, you know, Alex Len I never cared about, is probably Josh Jackson. And even Josh Jackson, like, it didn't take that long for me in the once he was in the NBA to say, I'm not really sure. In fact, you know, on our podcast, we had an intervention for Suns fans um, about Josh Jackson where I wrote a letter to Suns fans and I, and I read it out loud to everyone just to try and convince them that he wasn't going to be good on the Suns. Uh, so that's how bad it got. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's a few guys, but I wanted Luca. You know, I'll say that too. Uh, that's something fair. that's fair. Yeah, I wanted Luca, uh, and we got Aiden, but Aiden's still been good. And Mikael Bridges has like exceeded all expectations for how good he can be, and I was excited about him right away. So luckily, the last few drafts uh, were okay. You know, we had talked about it before before we go, and I'm I, I'm about to go anyway. But I gotta ask Ty Jerome. I still believe um, it seems like he's gotten a little bit better. I mean, he's getting more playing time at least over the last few weeks. Do you see anything in him? I haven't watched enough to know. Do you yeah, see so anything in him to believe he'll be an NBA player? He didn't get a chance to play at the start of the season at all because he had a pretty severe ankle sprain in camp before the season started. So the first time he was actually healthy and available was whenever they sent him down to the G League bubble. Uh, he got a little bit of run in down there. Yeah. Uh, got brought back up to the Thunder, and then Hamadou Diallo uh, suffered an injury. And so uh, Ty really got a chance to get out there and play. And he and Shea, not just on court, but off court as well, have like a really strong relationship. I've been a really big fan of Ty. He's like, I remember specifically you telling us, you you told Taylor and I, like, he's going to be the slowest guy on the court. (laughs) And that checks out. Yeah. But he has a really good basketball IQ, and the dude just – he plays with so much, like, confidence and just, like, energy. Yeah, It's so much fun to watch. Like, when he's out there, it seems like he legitimately, like, feels like he is one of the best players on the NBA basketball court. He's pulling up from, like, five or six feet beyond the line. I think he's shooting, like, 45% from three on, like, five attempts a game since the G yeah. League bubble. Um, yeah. He's, th- he's a flamethrower. No- he can dime it up. He's yeah. To me, he. I'm gonna stick my foot in my mouth again because I'm gonna say some shit that is gonna end <laughs> up not being true. But he, to me, is definitely the the super sub, uh, like light bulb guy off the bench that can just come in and and kind of just light up a team for you. Yeah, I mean, he's another example of a guy who, if you want him to start, he's gonna have to play better defense, and that's about moving his feet well. But he is six five as well just like mm-hmm. Teo. Uh, so he's got the right size to me. Like there's no world where he's not a 40% three point shooter in the NBA and he's six, five. So if you're a six, five, 40% three point shooter in the NBA, you're going to have a career at some point, but you add that to the fact that he generally, you know, makes the right reads. Like he's capable of making the right passes. He doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. There was some sloppy passes early in the suns, but if you look at the, like the bigger picture, which includes his college He's not a guy who turns the ball over a lot. And I think you have to get used to the speed of the NBA, especially for him. You know, I just don't really see a world where he's not on a team at some point contributing. I think the best situation for him is coming off the bench for a really good team where he can get wide open three-point shots and make the right passes on a closeout. Um, but, you know, I, I, still, I still believe, and I hope, you know, he's in the right place now, I think, with the Thunder. He was good friends with Mikael Bridges as well. So, you know, 
he seems like a good guy. That's usually a good sign when like a guy like Mikhail or a guy like Shea really likes him. Uh, so I hope he does well in OKC. And I, you know, when I watch the Thunder, I definitely zero in on him and, and watch everything he does because you now I watched a lot of him on the Suns, and I, I watched a lot of him in college because uh, because of that. I watch full games. Yeah, so yeah I, hope he, I hope he's good. Yeah, I, I have high hopes for him. Uh, I I think it was you who tweeted tonight that you see him as like a six five Tomas Sadoransky. Yeah, and I love that. Right, if, if that's what he turns out to be. Um, you know, power to him. That's that's a really solid NBA player. So yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, Mike, let's get out of here. Before we do that, though, since I'm going to rip this audio and drop it in podcast form, uh, will you please just shout out all of the awesome things you are doing over at the timeline, where people can follow you, where they can hear you, where they can watch your guys' incredible YouTube videos, etc. Just oh, take yeah. the you floor know and plug all your shit. We probably do have a YouTube video that Thunder fans might be interested in. We just released a video on our YouTube channel. It's called The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns channel. Uh, it's called From the G League to a Contender. It's the story of Cam Payne. So Cameron Payne has had a fascinating story where he kind of flamed out. He was out of the NBA entirely. But then now he plays a huge role on the Suns where they would not be this good without him. He joined the Suns right before the bubble, and then they went on an 8-0 run. And that's not a coincidence. That's like directly related to the minutes without Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker having campaign now on the floors. So that's an interesting video. I think it'd be interesting for, for Thunder fans to watch because they have some experience watching uh, Cameron Payne. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Protected Pick. Listen to our podcast, The Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. It's all Suns stuff. So if you're interested in the Suns, it'd be something to check out. Awesome. Mike, man, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Uh, enjoy the uh, the ass kicking that the Phoenix Suns handed to the Oklahoma City. I will enjoy <laughs> the extra ping pong ball. All right, Jacob. You have a good night. <laughs> awesome. Hey, you too, man. And for those of you who have been listening in, we will be back here live on Locker Room again with you guys here uh, in about 24 hours after the Thunder take on the Portland Trailblazers. So make sure to come back and join us there. We will also upload the audio immediately to our podcast feed uh, after that Locker Room hangout is over. And then, as always, our Sunday night live show, 9 p.m. Central Time on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Actually, I hope we can get on Twitter because they no longer have Periscope, and that's where we were streaming through. We'll get that figured out. But regardless, come hang out with us on Sunday night as we do our NBA-wide weekly podcast at 9 p.m. Central Time. Until then, you guys, take it easy. Have a great Saturday. Join us again Saturday night after the Thunder take on the Blazers. And as always, thunder up. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com. 